Section 3 of Beacon Lights of History, Volume 9, European Statesmen, by John Lord. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Mirabeau, Part 3. The Assembly having provided for the wants of the government by this confiscation of two thousand millions, which, however, when sold, did not realize half that sum, included their assignats, or bonds representing parcels of land assigned to redeem them. These were mostly one hundred franc notes, though there were also issues of ten and even five francs. The national credit was thus patched up by legislators who took a constitution in hand, to quote Burke, as savages would a looking-glass. Then they proceeded to other reforms, and abolished the parliaments, and instituted the election of judges by the people, thus stripping the king of his few remaining powers. In the meantime Mirabeau died, worn out with labors and passions, and some say by poison. Even this Hercules could not resist the consequences of violated natural law. The assembly decreed a magnificent public funeral, and buried him with great pomp. He was the first to be interred in the Pantheon. For nearly two years he was the leading man in France, and he retained his influence in the assembly to the end. Nor did he lose his popularity with the people. It is not probable that his intrigues to save the monarchy were known, except to a few confidential friends. He died at the right time for his fame, in April 1791. Had he lived, he could not have arrested the tide of revolutionary excesses and the reign of demagogues, and probably would have been one of the victims of the guillotine. As an author, Mirabeau does not rank high. His fame rests on his speeches. His eloquence was transcendent, so far as it was rendered vivid by passion. He knew how to move men. He understood human nature. No orator by felicitous expressions. In the tribune he was immovable. His self-possession never left him in the greatest disorders. He was always master of himself. His voice was full, manly, and sonorous, and pleased the ear. Always powerful, yet flexible, it could be as distinctly heard when he lowered it as when he raised it. His knowledge was not remarkable, but he had an almost miraculous faculty of appropriating whatever he heard. He paid the greatest attention to his dress, and wore an enormous quantity of hair dressed in the fashion of the day. "'When I shake my terrible locks,' said he, "'no one dares interrupt me.' Though he received pensions, he was too proud to be dishonest, in the ordinary sense." He received large sums, but died insolvent. He had, like most Frenchmen, an inordinate vanity, and loved incense from all ranks and conditions. Although he was the first to support the assembly against the king, he was essentially in favor of monarchy, and maintained the necessity of the absolute veto. He would have given a constitution to his country as nearly resembling that of England as local circumstances would permit. Had he lived, the destinies of France might have been different. But his death gave courage to all the factions, and violence and crime were consummated by the reign of terror. With the death of Mirabeau closed the first epoch of the revolution. Thus far it had been earnest but unscrupulous in the violation of rights and in the destruction of ancient abuses. Yet if inexperienced and rash, it was not marked by deeds of blood. In this first form it was marked by enthusiasm and hope and patriotic zeal, not as afterwards by fears and cruelty and usurpations. Henceforth the revolution took another turn. It was directed, not by men of genius, not by reformers seeking to rule by wisdom, 
but by demagogues and jacobin clubs and the mobs of the city of paris what was called the left in the meetings of the assembly made up of fanatics whom mirabeau despised and detested gained a complete ascendancy and adopted the extremist measures under their guidance the destruction of the monarchy was complete feudalism and the church property had been swept away and the royal authority now received its final blow nay the king himself was slain under the influence of fear it is true but accompanied by acts of cruelty and madness which shocked the whole civilized world and gave an eternal stain to the revolution itself it was not now reform but unscrupulous destruction and violence which marked the assembly controlled as it was by jacobin orators and infidel demagogues a frenzy seized the nation it feared reactionary movements and the interference of foreign powers when the bastille had fallen it was by the hands of half-starved people clamoring for bread but when the monarchy was attacked it was from sentiments of fear among those who had the direction of affairs the king at last alarmed for his own safety contrived to escape from the tuileries where he was virtually under arrest for his power was gone but he was recaptured and brought back to paris a prisoner robespierre called upon the assembly to bring the king and queen to trial marat proposed a military dictatorship to act more summarily which proposal produced a temporary reaction in favor of royalty lafayette as commander of the national guard declared if you kill the king to-day i will place the dauphin on the throne to-morrow but the republican party now in fear of a reaction was increasing rapidly its leaders were at this time the girondists bent on the suppression of royalty and headed by brissot who agitated france by his writings in favor of a republic while madame roland opened her salons for intrigues and cabals a bright woman who dreamed of spartan severity roman virtue and plutarch heroes the national assembly dissolved itself in september and appealed to the country for the election of a national convention for the king having been formally suspended august tenth there was no government the first act of the convention was to proclaim the republic then occurred the more complete organization of the jacobin club to control the national convention and this was followed by the rapid depreciation of the assignats bread riots and all sorts of disturbances added to these evils foreign governments were aiming to suppress the revolution and war had been declared by the girondist ministry of which de maurier was war minister at this crisis danton of the club of the cordeliers who found the jacobins too respectable became a power a coarse vulgar man but of indefatigable energy and activity who wished to do away with all order and responsibility he attacked the girondie as not sufficiently violent it was now war between the different sections of the revolutionists themselves lafayette resolved to suppress the dangerous radicals by force but found it no easy thing for the convention was controlled by men of violence who filled the country with alarm not of their unscrupulous measures but of the military and of foreign enemies he even narrowly escaped impeachment at the hands of the national convention the convention is now overawed and controlled by the commune and the clubs lafayette flies the mob rules paris the revolutionary tribunal is decreed robespierre marat and danton form a triumvirate of power the september massacres take place the girondists become conservative and attempt to stay the progress of further excesses all to no purpose for the king himself is now impeached and the jacobins control everything the king is led to the bar of the convention he is condemned by a majority only of one and immured in the temple 
on the twentieth of january seventeen ninety three he was condemned and the next day he mounted the scaffold we have burned our ships said marat when the tragedy was consummated with the death of the king i bring this lecture to a close it would be interesting to speculate on what might have been averted had mirabeau lived but probably nothing could have saved the monarchy except civil war to which louis the sixteenth was averse nor can i dwell on the second part of the revolution when the government was in the hands of those fiends and fanatics who turned france into one vast slaughterhouse of butchery and blood i have only to say that the same unseen hand which humiliated the nobles impoverished the clergy and destroyed the king also visited with retribution those monsters who had a leading hand in the work of destruction marat the infidel journalist was stabbed by charlotte corday denton the minister of justice and orator of the revolutionary clubs was executed on the scaffold he had erected for so many innocent men robespierre the sentimental murderer and arch-conspirator also expiated his crimes on the scaffold as did saint just lebas couthon and roy and other legalized assassins as the girondists sacrificed the royal family so did the jacobins sacrifice the girondists and the convention filled with consternation again sacrificed the jacobins after the work of destruction was consummated and there was nothing more to destroy and starvation was imminent at paris and general detestation began to prevail in view of the atrocities committed in the name of liberty the crushing fact became apparent that the nations of europe were arming to put down the revolution and restore the monarchy in a generous paroxysm of patriotism the whole nation armed to resist the invaders and defend the ideas of the revolution the convention also perceived too late that anything was better than anarchy and license it put down the clubs restored religious worship destroyed the busts of the monsters who had disgraced their cause and country entrusted supreme power to five directors able and patriotic and dissolved itself under the directory the third act of the drama of revolution opened with the gallant resistance which france made to the invaders of her soil and the enemies of her liberties this resistance brought out the marvelous military genius of napoleon who intoxicated the nation by his victories and who in reward of his extraordinary services was made first consul with dictatorial powers the abuse of these powers his usurpation of imperial dignity the wars into which he was drawn to maintain his ascendancy and his final defeat at waterloo constitute the most brilliant chapter in the history of modern times the revolution was succeeded by military despotism inexperience led to fatal mistakes and these mistakes made the strong government of a single man a necessity the revolution began in noble aspirations but for lack of political wisdom and sound principles in religion and government it ended in anarchy and crime and was again followed by the tyranny of a monarch this is the sequence of all revolutions which defy eternal justice and human experience there are few evils which are absolutely unendurable and permanent reforms are only obtained by patience and wisdom violence is ever succeeded by usurpation the terrible wars through which france passed to aggrandize an ambitious and selfish egotist were attended with far greater evils than those which the nation sought to abolish when the states general first met at versailles but the experiment of liberty though it failed was not altogether thrown away lessons of political wisdom were learned which no nation will ever forget some great rights of immense value were secured and many grievous privileges passed away forever neither louis the eighteenth nor charles the tenth nor louis philippe nor louis napoleon ever attempted to restore feudalism or unequal privileges or arbitrary taxation 
the legislative power never again completely succumbed to the decrees of royal and imperial tyrants the sovereignty of the people was established as one of the fixed ideas of the nineteenth century and the representatives of the people are now the supreme rulers of the land a man can now rise in france above the condition in which he was born and can aspire to any office and position which are bestowed on talents and genius bastilles and lettres de cachet have become an impossibility religious toleration is as free there as in england or the united states education is open to the poor and is encouraged by the government constitutional government seems to be established under whatever name the executive may be called france is again one of the most prosperous and contented countries of europe and the only great drawback to her national prosperity is that which also prevents other continental powers from developing their resources the large standing army which she feels it imperative to sustain in view of the inexperience and fanaticism of the revolutionists and the dreadful evils which took place after the fall of the monarchy we should say that the revolution was premature and that substantial reforms might have been gained without violence but this is a mere speculation one thing we do know that the revolution was a national uprising against injustice and oppression when the torch is applied to a venerable edifice we cannot determine the extent of the conflagration or the course which it will take the french revolution was plainly one of the developments of a nation's progress to conservative and reverential minds it was a horrid form for progress to take since it was visionary and infidel but all nations are in the hands of god who is above all second causes and i know of no modern movement to which the words of karl when he was an optimist when he wrote the most original and profound of his works the sartor resartus apply with more force when the phoenix is fanning her funeral pyre will there not be sparks flying alas some millions of men have been sucked into that high eddying flame and like moths consumed in the burning of the world phoenix destruction and creation proceed together and as the ashes of the old are blown about do new forces mysteriously spin themselves and melodious death songs are succeeded by more melodious birth songs yet all progress is slow especially in government and morals and how forcibly are we impressed in surveying the varied phases of the french revolution that nothing but justice and right should guide men in their reforms that robbery and injustice in the name of liberty and progress are still robbery and injustice to be visited with righteous retribution and that those rulers and legislators who cannot make passions and interests subservient to reason are not fit for the work assigned to them it is miserable hypocrisy and cant to talk of a revolutionary necessity for violating the first principles of human society ah it is reason intelligence and duty calm as the voice of angels soothing as the music of the spheres which alone should guide nations in all crises and difficulties to the attainment of those rights and privileges on which all true progress is based authorities dumont's recollections of mirabeau carlyle's french revolution carlyle's article on mirabeau in his miscellanies von seibel's french revolution thiers french revolution minier's french revolution croker's essays on the french revolution life of lafayette laustelot's revolution de paris burke's reflections on the french revolution carlyle's article on danton Malay du Paz, Considérations sur la Révolution François, Biographie universelle, A la Mets, Histoire de l'Assemblée Constituante, Allison's History of the French Revolution, 
La Martine's History of the Girondists, La Cretelle's History of France, Montigny's Memoirs sur Mirabeau, Pouchet's Memoirs sur Mirabeau, Madame de Stael's Considerations sur la Revolution Française, Macaulay's Essay on Dumont's Recollections of Mirabeau. End of section 3